and uh, experiencing what God's doing right here on this uh, in this church in this city. And I am so thankful for everything the Lord has done uh, through the years. What He's doing now, yeah. and what He's going to do tomorrow. Amen. Amen. He's a past, present, and future God, and uh, he, He's in all of that. So I give honor to your pastor and first lady, Brother Sister Camarina, and to Bishop and Sister Camarina. I love them so much, and uh, the Camarina family has been close friends for many years. Uh, and Bishop Camarina and I graduated in the same class, didn't we? Same graduating class of Christian Life College. And uh, so we spent many t uh, times and hours together studying and preparing and having burritos and uh, everything that goes with it, right, brother? So he, he would try to help me with my Spanish. And it didn't work too good. But, uh, I always appreciate the effort. And uh, they came out to Ohio about five years ago and visited us, and we enjoyed that time, and they were a blessing to our church. And uh, so it's good to be here with them tonight and to see your pastor and pastor's wife doing so well, leading the way in revival. Amen. And I'm excited about the future of this church yes. and the present. Amen. Amen. The present and the future. Yeah. And so, again, I appreciate the invitation to be here. And, of course, uh, Brother Walmer, uh, our paths have, have crossed several times. And his son, Stephen, is a very close friend of mine. And then uh, Michael Walmer, his oldest son, has been with us in Hamilton as well. Before uh, we go to the word of the Lord, I would like Brother uh, Brown, Brother Bill Brown, who is in our church, a close friend, a good, good man. Uh, I want him to share... He's going to take a few minutes to share his testimony with you. I believe it will encourage you to not give up on anybody. I believe it will encourage you to keep witnessing, keep reaching out. And I want you to know how uh, he came into the church. And then my dad, Brother Virtual, is going to minister in song uh, here tonight for us. And then we'll go to God's Word. Everybody said amen. 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 Praise the Lord, church. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Yeah, I'm, uh, Brother Bill Brown, uh, been... Uh, Going to, to uh, going, going to the uh, North Point Church now for uh, almost four years, but uh, actually went uh, before that. Uh, we uh, met like in 2011. Uh, me and Pastor uh, met, and uh, we uh, got to talking. He had some plumbing issues. I'm a plumber by trade in Hamilton, and uh, had been uh, part of the community as a plumber for many years prior to that, and. He uh, had me come down and do some work at his house is kind of how we first kicked off our relationship. And uh, we got to talking, and over the course of, the, of a couple years, we uh, had, had a good friendship going. And uh, never had been to his church, and he always invited me. And I uh, said, yeah, one of these days I want to stop and I want to check out your church. I believed in God, but I uh, had been um, a Baptist uh, pretty much through my uh, raising and in my uh, early adulthood and me and my wife got married uh, and uh, in a Baptist church and we uh, became members of the Baptist church we uh, you know they had a baptism Sunday so we were baptized in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Ghost and felt like we were doing the right thing and things just didn't pan out a couple years after being in the church we just quit going and uh, just 17 years went by and 
until I met the pastor there, and um, we uh, he presented to me the church in a day, and actually how it started was, can you give me a bid on doing a new church? And I was like, it's just me and a helper. Uh, I am too small of a company to take on a big church. You know, we think about all churches have to be big, but you know, not all churches are uh, are big. Some are small. And uh, but you know, in my mind, it's going to be a big church. And he showed me the plans. Like, ah, it's not really that big of a church, but it's still bigger than what I can uh, personally handle. And he started telling me about the church in a day. And I was like, wow, that is super cool. I just felt the Lord just say, that's what I want you to do. I said, you're not looking for a bid. You're looking for me to get other plumbers in our area come together and, and help do the plumbing. He goes, well, that's kind of the idea of the church in a day. But uh, I understood we had to pay for some things. We had to pay for some things. And I'm like, I can get people together. Plumbers in Hamilton are willing to help a church. That's my thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he said it's going to be probably in this, this is in spring of uh, 12. He said it's either going to be in the, in the fall of 12 or it's going to be in the spring of 13. I'm thinking to myself, it's definitely going to be the spring of 13. I got almost a year. <laughs> he calls me up in July, says, hey, we're going to move forward with the uh, church in a day. We've got the parking lot going in. We're going to be doing the lower rough and all this. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> so I procrastinated, I uh, had about a month notice, and I procrastinated two of them weeks by, and uh, almost three weeks, and I thought, I gotta make some phone calls to other plumbers and get them out here, it's not gonna be any problem, but I need to let them know. So I started calling a few that I knew, and uh, quickly learned that people don't necessarily wanna help the church. <laughs> And they're like, oh, well, we're too, you know, this is 08 or 012. We're just coming out of the recession from 08 and 09 and 10, and we're just trying to get things back together, and uh, I can't help you, or, you know, I got to work. I can't take days off. And it was one excuse after another. And on a Thursday night, I was like, wow, I have totally failed. I have totally failed. I'm going to have to call the pastor up, tell him, hey, I'm willing to help, but I can't make any bails help me. I don't know what to do. So... Only thing I could think to do was go out on my front porch and start talking to God. And I started praying to him. I said, God, this is this is for you. This is your will. This is something you want done. But I can't do it on my own. Yeah. You know, I, and I didn't go to prayer very often. You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, being faithful to going to church. But I just always knew prayer worked. So when I was in a bad position, I would go to the Lord with it. And uh, so the next morning I woke up, I had to go pick up a piece of equipment, and the guy there at the owns the, uh, the, uh, the rental place says, hey, uh, I said, hey, uh, you're, you're helping with the church today, you know, uh, you're doing tents and chairs and tables. He goes, yeah, he says, you involved in the church today? I'm like, yeah, I'm the lead plumber. Well, at the time I wasn't a licensed plumber, <laughs> and I uh, had another guy who was going to pull the permit for me, but I wasn't even a licensed plumber. He's like, you're not even a licensed plumber. I said, but... I said, such and such pulling the permit, but I can't get anybody to help me. He pulled off a list of people, made a phone call, and sure enough, he got one guy uh, that said no. <laughs> so he said, here's a list of the other guys, and I asked him to, uh, to go ahead and uh, uh, call the rest of them for me, and I would take him out to dinner, and he said, he'd me to do your work for you. So one thing led to another, he agreed to do the, uh, the calling for me, and by the time I got to the job, he'd already had five or six plumbers lined up to help me. So power of prayer is amazing. So we did the uh, lower rug. We all got together on a Saturday, and uh, we got the job done. And a couple weeks later, came back together, and we got the church in a day done. And uh, but we fell short. It was a church in a, in a, in a day, but it ended up being this joke is a church in a month. So we had about five weeks after that weekend before the church was completed and had the first service. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> 
I had never been to the church, but I was going to bring some friends and family to the church in the day to show them what all I was involved in. And uh, so we had the, the first service, uh, December 3rd, 2012. And uh, we uh, had my, my dad and my wife, uh, some friends, you know, my brother, I think, was there, and my, bro- my sister-in-law and her two kids. But I had a whole row of people with me and, you know, I showed them around, showed them what all we did. And it was like, ooh, ah. And uh, we had a, a great service. And, but one of the biggest things about the church in the day was, is, and he, <laughs> Pastor don't recall it, but every time I went by him and, and going from one end of the church to the other trying to get everything done, he says, is the baptistry going to be ready? Is the baptistry going to be ready? <laughs> yes, everything has to be ready because I have to get a permit, I get an inspection on all of it, including the baptistry. So, you know, it's kind of went on about three or four times over the course of that weekend. Well, I didn't understand that, you know, when you have a Baptist, you know, when I was baptized, my wife was baptized, you had like a Sunday that they set aside to do it. First service I go to, two people were baptized in the name of Jesus. Wow. Didn't comprehend the name of the Jesus part, but two people were baptized. I'm like, wow, what a concept. You can go and get this done today. You ain't got to wait three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so we did, we, uh, it was great to be involved and see all that. And to be involved in the church in a day, and I kind of really felt like I had a connection there, but nobody I brought with me, a whole bunch of people, nobody cared to come back next week. So the, uh, it was in December, January, February, March, April. Uh, it was getting close to Easter. I invited some of the same people, a couple other different people. They go, oh, yeah, we'll go Easter. Sure enough, I had a bunch of people. Nobody wanted to stay. Nobody wanted to come back next weekend. So it was a whole nother Easter. So we were 13, 14, 15, same scenario, one time a year Easter. 2015 Easter, uh, the, uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, we, we came to Easter. Two weeks later, a guy I knew calls me up. He'd been in drugs, he's been in, the, in, in jail, he's been in a halfway house, he's out on, a, on an ankle bracelet, wants something different in his life. He calls me up, says, hey, I wanna go to church. Somebody told me you were a Christian and you was a person to talk to. Okay, <laughs> I know a great church. <laughs> so the next day, it was Saturday night, Sunday morning, we were in church, 2015, two weeks after Easter, and uh, had somebody that wanted to go to church with me. About a month later, uh, we were doing Bible study on the Jesus' name, Baptist, being baptized in Jesus' name, and the Holy Ghost. Caught both of them right off, you know, he was teaching me great, you know, this is how you're supposed to be baptized, here is why you're baptized in Jesus' name. I was baptized in Jesus' name on a Sunday morning and on Sunday night and came back. Got the Holy Ghost. So, you know, got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in Jesus' name. Um, That night, uh, I invited my mother-in-law for my baptistry, or being baptized, and uh, she came back that night. So now I had a mother-in-law that was coming, and I had a, a friend of mine that was coming. Next thing I know, my mother starts coming, my brother-in-law comes, my sister-in-law comes, my nephew comes, my wife comes in, uh, my grandma, my uh, 94-year-old grandma last year was baptized in the name of Jesus. She had been a, uh, she had been a witness. 
back in the day, about the 70s, late 60s, 70s, she'd been Jehovah Witness, but she was baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody, you know, everybody I mentioned in my family has been baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost. Um, I got a lot more to go in my family, but uh, still invite people. I uh, pass the Bible out and a track and uh, being a salvation and, you know, being baptized in Jesus' name and an invite card to our church and Sometimes we see some people, but it's very hard to get people to come. You get discouraged, but you just keep on inviting, keep on inviting, and uh, eventually you'll you'll see souls coming in and being saved. And uh, so we uh, we came into the church, and I knew I told the Lord, I said, if I come in, I'm going to do it full heartedly. So first thing I did is start being getting involved, and one of the first things I saw involved, he's talking about tithing offering night, was we had a building fund. Um, they had already had the uh, building fund. Uh, uh, presentation, but they still had them on the altar for the building fund, and I, I always was interested in the building because I was part of the building part of it. You, you get involved with the building, and you and you're you know you've got you got a desire for it, and you want to help with it. Yeah. So I uh, started immediately giving every week to the building fund. Uh, started paying my tithe immediately, 10% of my income, paying it immediately, and the Lord started blessing my business even more than it already had after being involved in the church in a day. It started. Even get a better year, better year every yeah. year since uh, the church in a day, but especially since my tithe and my offering. And uh, so I've been involved in Purpose Institute, learning to, you know, the ministry to, you know, being, you know, all the uh, lessons in the Purpose Institute. I don't know if you guys got that out here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the PI, uh, this great training. Uh, two years into it now, I've got two more years to go to complete. Uh, just have a desire to do something for the Lord. But, uh, but yeah, the Lord's been good, and that's that's my testimony. That's how I came in. I had a pastor that was, uh, you know, he's got a desire for souls, and uh, he kept after me until uh, I finally uh, came in. I'm, I just, I'm thankful for this man. Amen. Yeah, I would like to uh, greet you from uh, Hamilton, Ohio. I'm so glad to be here with all of you tonight. Um, like he said, we left with some real frigid weather conditions. It was so good to be in California and be able to shed the coats and be comfortable. It's been a while since I've been out here. I look really forward to the trip. Glad to be here with you all tonight. It's good to know that when you're with the family of God, no matter where you are, Jesus is with you. Yeah. No matter what, where you're at in this world, if you serve the Lord, it says that three or more of you gathered. He's in the midst of us. And he's with us no matter where we go or what we do. And the only thing I want to add about the Church in the Day program is, uh, you know, the Lord blessed us and gave us a miracle to the land that he gave us to, to have to build. And, you know, the city kept fighting us and the building inspectors. And... Uh, I told, you know, I said to my, I talked to my son several different times, and I said, you know, they can fight us all they want, yeah. but you know, God gave us this land because He wants a church here. Mm-hmm. I said, so no matter what they do, they can fight us all they want, but God's going to have the last say, and that's we are going to have a church here because that's why it's all coming in, you know, to play. Everything just came together just like it's supposed to. So we still had the church in the day built within 24 hours, but we just couldn't move in because. When they did finally agree to let us have church, uh, they told my son, they said, you can only have a certain amount of people. And he said, that's not going to work. If we can't have everybody, 
then we won't have any fun until we can have it all. Because that, you know, me and uh, Brother Bill, you know, we're the ushers at the door. Uh, well, not at that time, we are now. And you just think about, you know, a person that's a part of your church and somebody telling you that you're excluded because the numbers are already mm -hmm. to that point and then they can't come in. How would they feel about that? You know, this is my church, you know. And it, I would think it would hurt their feelings to where we might have uh, lost some people, you know. Yeah. But thank God, God worked it all out. And, uh, you know, God is good. You know, yeah. like I said, you know, uh, people would always say, you know, I don't understand the church in a day. You mean, you mean months? You mean weeks? I said, no. 24 hours, I said, we had a building. We started on Friday morning, and it was put up by Saturday morning. So we would have church by Sunday, even yeah. though it didn't work out at that time. It did shortly after. So we thank God for what he's done uh, with North Point Church. Uh, this song I'm going to sing tonight is called Praise You in the Storm. And, uh, you know, we all have things that we go through, uh, different types of storms. But, you know, we serve a great big God. Mm -hmm. And uh, he can help us and bring us through anything. And uh, sometimes you have to go through the things instead of going around it. But that's because it makes you stronger. It helps you for that next trial that next hurdle right. or whatever it is that's going to come up in your life because you can always look back if you start having doubts or thinking well how am i going to get through this you know and then god's got to be a reminder and says well remember remember when you were in this situation remember what i did there remember how i brought you out of it and that's what builds our faith and helps us grow with the lord so as i lift him up tonight you just worship the king of kings and the lord by now God you would have reached down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day but once again I say amen and it's still raining as the thunder rolls I barely you whisper through the rain my hands, praise the God who gives and takes away, and I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am, every tear I cry, you hold in your hands, never left my side. Though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. I remember when I stumbled in the wind. You heard my cry. You raised me up again. My strength is almost gone. Can I carry on if I can't find you? And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. 
you know, in Ohio, the thing about it is they say if you don't like the weather, just stick around and it'll change. Right. It changes real quick. Many are cold, but few are frozen in Ohio. Praise the Lord. So uh, hopefully next time around, my wife and children uh, can be here. We have four children, three boys and a girl. Our oldest is 17, and then our boys are 6, 8, and 14. So uh, they're, they're growing up involved in the church, involved yeah. in the work of God. Amen. And I'm so thankful uh, for the work of God. I, I, I feel to encourage you tonight. I feel like the Lord's already confirmed his word. And uh, I, I want to tell this church that um, when God is in it, when, when there's vision, and there is vision, your pastor has been casting vision. Where there's vision, there's provision. Yes. And when it's God's will, it's God's bill. That's right. Yeah. And God's going to take care of the finances. God's yes, going to provide. Yes. Uh, our church in Hamilton, North Point Church, uh, in the last three years, through sacrificial giving and through miracles. Everybody know what I mean by miracles? Yeah. Something only God can do. That's right. In the last three years, uh, and I'm bragging on God, uh, the Lord has allowed our church to. Uh, Give and raise one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that paid off our church mortgage. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. That building you just heard about has been paid for. God, God help us. And uh, we're, we're getting ready uh, for our, our next phase uh, for fellowship area, and there's several things stirring and brewing with that. And uh, so we're we're getting ready for that. And I, I want to tell you that. Not not everything requires uh, debt. Even mm -hmm. you can do things debt free. Yeah. Doesn't always require large amounts of debt. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe that God can provide the funds. Don't you? Amen. 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 I said God can provide the funds. How about how about a debt free miracle right here? Amen. I just feel to say that. Yes. I Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I claim that. I declare that. I decree that. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You see, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I'm here to tell you, there's going to be miracles. There's going to be financial miracles. And God's going to give to this church.
verse number 12 and verse number 13. And this is of chapter 13 of Chronicles. If you're there, say amen. Amen. It says, and David was afraid of God that day. Saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Dedom, the Gittite. Everybody say Obed-Dedom. Obed-Dedom. You know anybody named Obed-Dedom? <laughs> I, uh, I hadn't either, except this guy. And I was uh, preaching in Milwaukee, Wisconsin last year, and I mentioned Obed-Dedom. And would you know it, this young man in his early 20s came running down the aisle. He said, I'm o- my name's Obed-Dedom. They called him Obed. And uh, so he helped me preach that night. And, uh, but I, I probably will never meet another person besides this guy in Chronicles and the guy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by the name of Obed. But look here in verse 14. Not a very common name. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house. Everybody say his house. His house. Three months or 90 days. And the Lord... Blessed. Everybody say he blessed. He blessed. The house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Blessed his house and everything else that he had. And I've come to preach to this church tonight with the help of the Lord. I want to preach to you about the secret of being blessed. Amen. The secret of being blessed. And I have always from an early age desired to have the blessing of God yes, sir. on my life. Yes, sir. I have always wanted the hand of God, the favor of God yes. to be upon my life. How about you tonight? Amen. Do you desire it? Do you want it? God wants you to have it. Come on, would you put your Bibles down? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's thank God for His word. There's a secret about being blessed. You can be seated tonight. There was a popular song several years ago, generation back. It was called, There's a Promise Coming Down Your Dusty Road. You ever heard of that one? Yeah. And for Obed-Dedham, it didn't look like a promise. It looked more like a curse. There was a mass of people coming towards his house. 
and they were carrying the most sacred piece of furniture known to all of Israel called the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And you got to understand uh, here from the beginning that Obed-Edom was a Gittite. He was a person from a place called Gath, hometown to none other than a guy named Goliath. Have you ever heard of him before? Yes, sir. <laughs> Obed-Edom means servant of Edom. He was probably not an Israelite, although some believe that he was. He lived on the edge of Chidon's threshing floor. His house was probably very modest. His living was probably modest as well. He was a stranger in a strange land. And we would never have known the name of Obed-Edom had it not been for a horrible mistake that was made. First Chronicles 12 talks about David being crowned the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel had been chosen because of his stature, talking about Saul. The Bible said he was head and shoulders above the rest. But the second king of Israel, David, was not chosen because of the size of his stature, but because of the size of his heart. Somebody say amen tonight. Amen. And David had a tremendous heart for God. Had a desire to love God. To have God pleased with him. And the first recorded act of King David was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back home. You may remember it had been taken captive by the Philistines many years before, placed in the temple of Dagon. And the emblem of God's presence had wreaked havoc. And the idols kept falling before the ark. And the Philistines themselves did no better. They were struck with a disease for lifting the lid of the ark called the mercy seat. And they did something they weren't supposed to do they placed the Ark of the Covenant on an ox cart. Anybody remember that story? Yes, sir. There was yoked two oxen to that cart, and the ox carried the Ark back home to Judah. And it was placed in the house of Abinadab, and there it stayed for years and years. And it's hard for us to imagine, but for David's entire lifetime, up to this point, the ark of God had not been in the tabernacle where it was supposed to be. Yeah. And while Samuel lived, the tabernacle of God moved from Shiloh to Nob and then to a place called Gibeon. And there it stayed during King Saul's reign. But there was no ark. There was no power. There was no visible presence of God. The people worshipped, but they had a form of godliness. But they denied the power thereof. They sacrificed to God, but there was no glory to their sacrifice. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you can sacrifice and you can praise and you can worship without a keyboard. Yeah. How many knows that? We did it tonight. Yeah. You can praise God without drums and without guitars, and I'm thankful for all those things. Yeah. I like having them. Amen. Yeah. It enhances. It helps. It's a blessing. But I'm here to tell you, there's one thing we cannot worship and praise God without, and that is His Spirit. Yes. We've got to have His Spirit. Yes. We've got to have a move of God. Hallelujah! Amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We gotta have the fire of the Spirit oh, and then the sacrifice. Oh, 
will be consumed. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But they went through the carnal motions. But for the blood to be sprinkled on the mercy seat, it required sacrifice. Everybody say amen. Amen. And the Ark of the Covenant, you may remember, was one of the most important symbols in all the Old Testament. It was built to represent none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, Jesus' blood is called the propitiation for our sins. It literally became the mercy seat. And the ark represented the power of God to save. And David knew how valuable the ark was. And he knew if we're going to be what we need to be, we need the ark. We need the presence of God. We need the power of God. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, we need His Spirit more than we've ever needed yes, His sir. Spirit before. We cannot be what we need to be without His through motions and rituals and routines we got to have his spirit moving and David's motives were right he wanted to bring the ark back to Jerusalem yes. and he would pitch a large tent place the ark in the middle of the tent and everyone could come and worship before God and so I ask you tonight why was the ark brought to Obed-Edom's house First Chronicles 13 that we read. Why Obed-Edom? Why is this man even in the scripture? Because David made a mistake. Turn to somebody and tell him David made a mistake. We all make mistakes, don't we, sometimes? You see, the Philistines had placed the Ark of the Covenant on that cart pulled by oxen. And David thought, I will imitate the same. And the Philistines didn't know better, but David knew better. The ark was not to be carried on a cart, but it was to be carried on the shoulders of sanctified holy men of God. Right. That was God's plan. Right. It's the way God wanted it to be transported. Amen. Amen. You, you, we, we can't allow carnality to try to handle the things of God. We can't allow worldliness to try to handle the things of God. It's going to take holy men and women to handle the things of God. We can't play with His presence. We can't try to, to uh, uh, you know, be in one day and out the next. We've got to handle His presence with sacredness. Amen. we got to understand that this is holy ground, his presence. And you see, when the oxen came to Chidon's threshing floor, close to Obed-Edom's house, one of them stumbled. And they thought the ark was getting ready to fall. And a man by the name of Uzzah, U-Z-Z-A, reached out to try to touch and steady the ark so it wouldn't fall. And as soon as he touched it, the Bible said he was struck dead. How many know I'm in the book here tonight? Yes, sir. Amen. And David, in our text, 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 12, the Bible said that David was afraid of God that day. David just saw one of the holy men die because he violated what God said, don't touch. And he touched it. Right. David was afraid. His plans were momentarily 
set aside and put on pause. He looked for a place to park the ark. His eyes, all of a sudden, he looked around and all of a sudden his eyes rested on Obed-Edom's house. You can imagine the shock of Obed-Edom when he gets a knock on the door. He opens the door and he finds the king of all of Israel standing there with priests and musicians and worshipers. And he's thinking, why would you choose me? But it's because Obed-Edom just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I've come to preach to this church that if we'll be in the right place at God's time, you'll receive a miracle. Is the presence of God. Amen. 
Yes, sir. That's so true. And old Ben Dedham welcomed the presence and power of God into his home. You say, uh, Brother Lunsford, doesn't everybody welcome the presence of God? I wish I could tell you everybody welcomed it. I wish I could tell you that everybody was open to it. I got a whole list of backsliders from our church, North Point Church in Hamilton. A whole list. We're getting ready to celebrate 14 years this coming Sunday. And I wish I could tell you we kept everybody that God sent. But there's a lot of people that refuse to let His Spirit come on in when that door was opened. When He was knocking, they opened but they slammed the door instead of saying, come on. You say, how can somebody not welcome the presence and power of God into their life and into their home? Come on. It's no different than the folks of Gadara. You remember that story? There was a man who the Bible said had legions of demons. Yeah. And he would roam and he would uh, have he would breathe fear into the whole area and community. You remember that man when yeah. when Jesus and the disciples come up in the boat? This guy just running around, naked, scaring everybody, breaking and busting chains, couldn't be contained. And the disciples, the Bible said, step back, and they said, Jesus, you take care of this. Yeah. Well, what do I want to do with this guy? Call him legion, for they are many, right? And Jesus steps up and he said, come out of that man. Come out of that man. He spoke with authority to those demons. And those demons came out. Aren't you glad that demons have to flee in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus has spoken with authority and power. Demons have to flee. And the Bible said those demons left that man and went into the swine, the pigs. You know what those pigs did? They said, we're not putting up with this. And they went over the cliff. Come on, how many know I got it right here? They went over the cliff and they drowned. You know, there there are human beings that are willing to put up with more than what pigs Mm -hmm. are willing to put up with. They're willing to put up with being tormented, demon possession, demon oppression. You say, what do, what do I need to do? You need to get deliverance. You need to get the help of God. Yes, you need to get the power of God, the Spirit of God. Get rid of that thing. Whatever's hindering you, whatever's hampering you, whatever's holding you back. Right. But you know what they did after Jesus delivered and took care of their greatest problem? They looked at Jesus and they said, we want you to leave. We want you to leave us alone. I saw a guy uh, a while back wearing a shirt, t-shirt, and it said, leave me alone. That's what the shirt said. I'm thinking, well, I don't even know you. You don't have to worry about it, okay? But I don't know you. But His warning to everybody was, leave me alone. That's what it said. Don't bother me. Don't talk to me. Don't try to help me. 
That's what people do. Not everybody says, come on in, Jesus. Some folks say, leave me alone. It's far better to tolerate an unchained demoniac howling in the tombs than to embrace the one who can do all things. They told Jesus to leave. And he doesn't stay where he's not welcome or wanted. And he left. And I've come to preach to this church tonight. If you want him here, you've got to welcome him here. Yes. If you want him here, you've got to invite yes, him so here. True. If you want him here, if you want to move with God, you've got to pray for it. You've got to ask for it. You've yes. got to believe for it. You've got to let him know you want it. Amen. Amen. He will go where he's wanted. And I know this church wants it. I could feel the power of God tonight when we walked in. Prayer is going on. God will bless a church that prays. Yes, He'll bless a church that's unified in prayer. And he's looking for someone that has the spirit of Ruth that says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Don't leave me alone, Jesus. Stay with me. It's the, like the words of David in the 51st Psalm when he said, cast me not away. From thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit. From me. Yeah. And I want you to see. Uh, something here with me. Uh, from 1 Chronicles 13. I want you to notice something about Obed-Dino. How many know the blessed life. Is the best life. Amen. Yes, sir. I said the blessed life. Is the best life. God wants to. Continue blessing. And he will. But you got to want it. you got to desire it. Look here at 1 Chronicles 13. The Bible says in verse uh, 14. That the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house. How long? Three months. Three months. Ninety days. The Jewish year is comprised of 360 days. And God blessed Obed-Edom. Look there. And he blessed his house. And what? All. all. Turn somebody and tell him all that he had. Everything. Everything in his house. Everything that he owned. Obed-Edom was blessed. Wouldn't you agree? The Bible said he was blessed. So he was blessed. You say, uh, what do I need to do to enter into a season of blessing? You got to do what Obed-Edom did. You got to welcome and invite the presence of God. Into your house, yeah. into your life. Yeah. You say, Well, how do I do that? By your attitude, yeah. by your actions, hallelujah, yeah. by a spirit of humility. Yes. If you want it, you got to do what Obed did. Right. And when you are blessed, everybody knows you're blessed. Do you know you don't have to explain to somebody you're blessed when you're blessed? <laughs> how many know that Brother Brown's blessed? Anybody know that? Come on now. Amen. You know you don't have to you don't have to have them explain that. We we know that, don't we? Amen. The blessing of God was obvious upon Obed-Edom. People knew it. People talked about it. And Obed-Edom was blessed and he showed it. His house was blessed and it showed it. And when the Bible says that uh, verse 14, his house was blessed, and the Lord blessed all of his house, and all that he had, everything he had, that means his animals were blessed. Yeah. His cat was 
blessed. If he had a cat, his dog was blessed. His bird, parakeet, <laughs> talking nice. It was blessed. His car ran better because he was blessed. Yeah. Maybe he could just drive and drive and never have to fill up the gas tank. Wouldn't that be nice? Praise God. His wife said, honey, I feel better about everything. We're blessed. His dog stopped biting the mailman because he was blessed. The Bible said he was blessed. The mailman stopped bringing bills and started bringing checks. Somebody say amen. He was so blessed. I believe his children started behaving better. Parents say amen tonight. His roof stopped leaking. The weeds stopped growing in the flower beds. You say, how does that work, preacher? It's the presence of God. It's the favor of God. The hand of God. The blessing of God. I've come to declare to someone that the blessing of God can affect you in so many ways. The blessing of God can allow you to go to the doctor and hear that doctor say, your health is so much better. You're doing so much better. Things are improving. Praise God. How many knows that the blessing of God is is more than just financially? It's more than just with money. It's favor. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. Not talking about rich in money. But talking about rich in grace. Rich in mercy. Praise God. Rich in favor. I want that blessing. How about you tonight? Amen. In 90 days. It wasn't a lifetime. It was 90 days. And it would go so quickly. And all of a sudden, after 90 days, there was another knock at the door. It was King David. Obedito, I know you've enjoyed having the ark of God, but it's time to go. i got to take it. And I'm sure Obedito was unhappy about it. His whole family had grown accustomed to having God's presence in their house. They'd grown accustomed to making their home a habitation of his power. And David placed the ark beneath a tent on Mount Zion. And the Bible said it would stay there for 40 years. For 40 years. Everybody following me tonight? Yes, sir. And the king appointed people to sing before the ark. So he took the ark uh, and he put it on Mount Zion beneath a tent. And he said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get some singers. We're going to get some musicians. Go with me to 1 Chronicles 15. 1 Chronicles 15, 18. I want to show you something here regarding Obed-Dedum before I bring this uh, home tonight. The king appointed singers or musicians. He said, we got the presence of God with us. We're going to lift him up. We're going to magnify him. How many know that praise and worship is always in order? Amen. Hallelujah. I said it's always in order to magnify the king. Always in order. And he said to the worship leaders, he said, I need people to sing. 
I need people to play string instruments and harps and cymbals. And I need people to raise their voice with joy. He said, we're going to have a first string. We're going to have an eighteen. Best of the best. They're going to do this. They're going to, they're going to lead us. Aren't you glad in Pentecost we have wonderful musicians and singers? Amen. Amen. That know how to lift up the name of Jesus. Thank God for that. And some of our uh, singers and musicians in, uh, in the apostolic movement, some of them, uh, they're, they're, they're recording albums and they're, the, the anointing of God upon them is blessing thousands of people all across the world because of the anointing and power of God upon their gift of music and singing. But he said, we're going to have a praise team, in other words. We're going to have a worship team. But he also knew there was going to be times they couldn't make it. And not everybody's always going to be able to be there always. So the Bible said, look here, 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse number 18. The Bible says, They sought men, brethren, of the second degree. Second degree. Turn to someone and tell them that means second string. Second string. Second string. Means they weren't going to start. They weren't going to be number one. But they was going to be on the team. Aren't you glad for team ministry? Amen. Yeah. We, we can take some team, doesn't it? It takes a spirit of unity yes, it to does. have revival. Yeah. A church, it takes everybody. Everybody's important. Everybody has something they can do. Everybody has something they can contribute to the team. There's no eye in team. There's no big eyes in little you. Everybody. Yes, sir. Everyone. He said we need an 18. But he said, just, just but we also need some backup folk. <clears throat> he said, we're looking for backup singers and musicians of the second degree. How many sees that in the book there? Yeah. Amen. He said, is there anybody willing to help? <clears throat> you won't sing as often. You may not sing hardly at all. But if we need you, we're going to call on you. And all of a sudden, in the back of the room, a hand shot up. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse number 18. Look at that. You keep reading. After the second degree, he starts naming all these names. Zechariah, Ben, and Jaziel, and Shemaramoth, and Jehiel, and Unai, Eliab, Benaniah, Messiah. My church laughs at me when I start reading these names. <laughs> Mattathiah, Eliphalah. Mekaniah. And who? Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. Anybody see that? <laughs> Obed-Edom. He said, I want to be on the second team. He said, I'm not going to get upset because I'm not the only one. I'm not going to get upset because I'm not on the 18. I'm not going to get upset because I'm not asked to sing a special song. Obed-Edom volunteers to be a singer and a musician to help on the praise team. He said, I don't have to be seen. I don't have to be number one. He said, I just want to be near the presence of Almighty God. He said, you blessed my house. Now I want to bless your house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you take care of me. Now I want to take care of you. And I would to God that somebody would get that attitude and spirit tonight that says, not what can the church do for me, but what can I do for the church? How can I help? How can I be a part? And then 
after that, I, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, but you, you got to see this. I, I, I'm not, I, I won't be able to live with myself if you don't see this tonight. David said, I not only need praise singers and a worship team and a praise team, he said, we need some doorkeepers in the house of the Lord. Look at 1 Chronicles 15. You go to verse 23 and verse 24. He said, we need some doorkeepers around here. We need some ushers and some greeters. Amen. Verse 23, and Berkiah and Elkanah were doorkeepers for the ark. And Shabaniah and Jehoshaphat and Nethaniel and Amasai and Zechariah and Benaiah and Eleazar the priest did blow with the trumpets before the ark of God. And and Obed-Edom. And, and Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, you're on a praise team. What are you doing? Well, I want to be part of the doorkeepers too. Hallelujah. I'll keep an eye out. I'll stand guard. I'll do my part. Hallelujah. I'll be faithful with my tithes. And I'll be faithful with my building fund and missions. I'll be faithful. You can count on me. You can count on me. You can count on me. Thank you, Lord. I just want to be close. To the presence of God. I just want to be close to that which changed my life and changed my family's life. And so David said, not only do we need musicians and a praise and worship team, and not only do we need doorkeepers. In First Chronicles uh, 16, David said, we also need some folks to minister around the tabernacle. You know what that means? It means we need some folks willing to work around the church. Amen. Not everybody can do the same thing. Yeah. But everybody can do something. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that an amazing concept? <laughs> Not everybody can do the same thing. But everybody can do something. Yeah. And if everybody will do their something, right. you add it up, it'll be more than enough. So this is 1 Chronicles 16, verse uh, 37 and verse 38. If you're there, say, I got it. I got it. Verse 37. Remember, we're talking about uh, folks willing to work around the church, folks willing to help where help is needed. This is verse 37. So he left there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord Asaph and his brethren to minister before they are continually as every day's work required. In other words, whatever needs to be done, there's always something that needs to be done around the church, isn't it? Amen. Yes. I'm busy. Preacher, I'm busy. Preacher, I'm, I'm trying to take care of my family. I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to take care of my kids. I'm trying to, to live life. I get it. I got it. We all are there, right? Yes, sir. Every one of us yes, sir. is busy. But we're not too busy that we can't make time for the house of God. That's right. Right. Amen. Amen. When the pastor calls for a work day, I believe we ought to prioritize it. I believe we ought to say, I'll roll up my sleeves. I'll do what I can do. I'll help however I can help. I'll give as much time as I can give. And again, it's not 
Let everybody do the same. But he said everybody can do something. Now look at verse 38. Remember, he needs folks to help around the church. He needs folks to, to, to uh, fix things. He needs folks to pick up trash and vacuum carpets and clean and, and knock out walls, right? That's right, sir. Come on now. Amen. Got some walls that need knocked out. Yeah. Verse 38. And for, who was the first person? Obed-Edom. Obed Am I reading that right? Yes. Obed-Edom. Now, come on, Obed. You're too busy. You're doing too much for the church. You're helping too much. You're, you're, you're giving too much offering, Obed-Edom. Come on, you're, 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 you're second team on the praise and worship. You know, you're, you're helping with the usher and the greeter, the door ministry. You're, now you want to work around the church. Come on, Obed-Edom. He said, you can count on me. I'll pick up trash. I'll sweep the floors. I'll knock out the cobwebs. Yeah. Amen. I just want to be close to that. Which has changed my life forever. It's changed me radically. And I got one more. One more to show you. We got time for this? Can you give me five more minutes? Can anybody give me five more minutes? Do I have any hands that will raise? All right, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Wow, I got at least 25 or 30. Amen. Got you on that one. So they, they, they get folks helping, working around the church. And then finally, 1 Chronicles 26. David said, We also need some gatekeepers. He said, we need some folks willing to serve as lookout and to watch the gates. This is 1 Chronicles 26, verse number 12. 26 and 12 of 1 Chronicles. Are you there? Amen. Among these were the divisions of the porters, even among the chief men having words wards against one against another to minister in the house of the Lord and they cast lots as well the small as the great according to the house of their fathers for every gate everybody say every gate every he gate. said we need a gatekeeper we need somebody to help with the gate the entrance the exit and the lot eastward fell to Shelemiah then for Zechariah, his son, a wise counselor they cast lots and his lots came out northward verse 15 to what? Obed to Obed Edom. <laughs> Obed Edom. Come on, Obed Edom. You mean you want to be a gatekeeper too? He said, I want to do everything I can do. <laughs> Obed Edom, that means you might be at church every night. Whatever it means, I want to be part of what God's doing. Obed Edom, you, you, you mean you're willing to be involved in multiple ministries? You're willing to give multiple offerings. You're willing to give that much of your time and of yourself. And he said, I want to be part of his kingdom and his house. He changed my house and my life for 90 days when he was in my home. It's affected me forever. Yeah. And he said, now what mattered beforehand no longer matters today. 
Yeah. His priorities changed completely because of the presence of God because He opened the door. Yeah. And He said, come on in. Praise God. Stand with me tonight. You say, what, what do I need to do? you got to get the presence of God working in your life. Hallelujah. The presence and power of God changed his family. Not only did Obed-Edom become a gatekeeper to God's house, but we read that years later, he had 62 descendants who followed in his footsteps. Yeah. He changed the whole course yeah. of his family's future. Praise. He altered the destiny of his family. Praise God. Amen. Not only did it work in his life, but it worked in his family life. You heard Brother Brown say tonight that he has a whole row, couple rows of family members in our church today simply because I stopped at his business and talked to him. And I'm not anything, but he's everything. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that if you just take time and stop, if you'll just take time and let the Lord minister through you, you just don't know who. God wants to win and who God wants to reach. And you say, Brother Lunsford, what's the secret of being blessed? How many is ready for the secret of being blessed? Amen. Anybody want to know what it was? Yes. The secret of being blessed. I'll tell you what it was. It was that Obed-Dedal was addicted mm -hmm. to the presence of God. He was addicted to God's presence. He couldn't get enough. He couldn't get enough church. He, we, we, he couldn't pray enough. The pastor said, we're having another prayer meeting. Obed-Edom said, that's fine with me. I'll be there. He was one of the first ones there and one of the last ones to leave. Because he loved the presence of God. You could count on Obed-Edom to be an outreach. You can count on Obed-Edo to be at the prayer walk. Psalm 84 and 10. Psalm 84 and 10. Some scholars believe that this psalm was not only about uh, Korah, but it was also about uh, encouragement to uh, Obed-Edo's family and those that was from Gath or Gittites. This is what Psalm 84 and 10 says, and I believe you'll see it. It's the spirit of Obed-Edom. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Is there anybody tonight that has that attitude? Yeah. Lord, one day in your presence. Come on, can you hear Obed-Edom saying one day yeah. in his presence? is better than a thousand out there in the world. One day in God's house is better than a thousand in Florida. One day in God's house is better than a thousand in the Bahamas. One day in God's house is better than a thousand in Hawaii or Monterey, Mexico or Cancun or Paris or Rome or London. Oh, I worship you, Lord. One day, would you lift your hands right now? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Come on, God's looking for some old men. God's looking for somebody that says, You can count on me, Pastor. You can count on me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to help support what's going on. You're not alone, Pastor. You're not alone, Sister Cameron. We're praying for you. We're with you. You're not in this alone. We're going to make it. Oh, that somebody would say, how can I help? Where can I be a blessing? What can I do? Yes, Lord, do your will. How much time can I give? What need can I meet? Right now, and as you come to this altar, you're saying, I'm going to help. 